The Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. Each episode, we'll talk about one of the video games that left an impression on us as kids, put on some rose-tinted glasses and reminisce about it, then replay the game and see how it's held up over the years. This episode, we'll be diving into the past and talking about Echo the Dolphin for the Sega Genesis. I'm Chris. And I'm Katie. Our drinks are topped off, so let's talk some games. Let's do it. Is that your dolphin noise? That's all I got. <laughs> we are on to episode nine. We are back to the Sega Genesis. Yeah, it's taken a bit for this game to finally get here. We'll probably talk about it when we dive in a little bit deeper to the meat of the game, but we finally done it. We're here. We're at Echo the Dolphin. We stopped procrastinating and finally started doing it. But, you know, we love hearing from you all and hearing what you guys think of the game we're about to play. So, Chris, what were some of the responses we got on social media? It makes me feel a lot better because a lot of the responses kind of jive with what we were thinking and what we kind of remembered. Chris, I remember not getting anywhere, just swimming around and jumping because I didn't bother reading the instructions to determine what the objective actually would be. And then Bill responded, I had the exact same experience. So that's that kind of makes me feel better. For sure. We also had Steve that said, I remember the commercials, but I didn't own a Genesis and none of my friends had it. Yeah, I think another similar response was from David saying he played for hours, but never got anywhere. But the music was awesome. <laughs> that's a nice consolation. And then our friend Thomas, who has, has commented on most of these things, so he's had some great insight. He just said it was a beautiful game filled with some of the most existential dread in the history of Sega, which we'll definitely talk about later. Because, yeah, that, that definitely is true. It escalated quickly. Yeah, and completely out of nowhere. We'll definitely get into that later. But again, thanks to everyone who responded to us on social media. Keep reaching out. We're going to keep posting these kind of posts. We love hearing from you. Other than that, I think it is time to get into the first true segment of the episode, which is Video Game Trope of the Day. Trope of the Day! Woo! I guess I can make the dolphin noises now. Oh, that's what dolphins sound like. <laughs> Producer Lisa came in just in time to give me a whole bunch of crap. <laughs> that's her job, to be fair. That's true. All right, Katie, what is our trope of the day? So this episode's trope of the day is fake difficulty. So this can be taken in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's called artificial difficulty. I think there's a lot of different interpretations of it. So this is really, really common in old school games especially. But this is when a game is difficult not because of like a genuine gameplay aspect of trying to make things more difficult in a logical way some things are unintentional like bad technical aspects like the controls are just terrible so it's harder to play but this could also be things like the denial of critical information to progress so they just don't tell you what to do they just drop you somewhere and say go for it this can be level designs that are meant to be done over and over again and there's no way of figuring it out unless you just keep playing over and over and over again Sudden spikes in enemy levels, all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, like you go from fighting people who are level 10 to level 50, like those kind of things, those are fake difficulty. That's when it's kind of like almost the lazy way of developers making a game last a bit longer. 
That is what I think we're talking about for this particular trope. The live system is the thing that comes to mind for me because lives are just an awful holdover of arcade games whose only purpose was to steal all of your quarters. Like, why do we need... Well, I guess, again, going back, why do new games have a live system? We're, we're beyond that. We don't need that anymore. Other than, as you said, fake difficulty. It's yeah. so stupid and annoying. It's making things more difficult. Now, there's a thing like limited lives. I get if it's done well, if there's ways of executing it properly, it can be done. But yeah, sometimes like the auto kills just because they want you to die to make it seem tougher is frustrating. A lot of things like uh, RNG, random number god, mm. random number generation is fake difficulty. Like if you need a random number or something that is randomized to happen, that's not difficult. It's just annoying. It's You see that in those games that are like hard for the sake of being hard, which I don't really buy into. Like I know people really enjoy those games, but that's that's not something that really, you know, is, is something that appeals to. Well, what's funny is you don't need to do that to make a game hard. You could be like a Demon Souls slash Dark Souls slash Bloodborne. You die a lot. That's the mm -hmm. point of those games. But there's no live system. You can't run out of lives in those games. So I think it's things like that. Like, yeah, adding adding a limited number of lives can feel artificially difficult. They're doing it just to make it feel more difficult. But again, you, this appeared in all sorts of old games. We've played a ton of them so far, even Earthworm Jim, Vector Man. Um, a lot of those side scrollers had artificial lives and, and artificial difficulty and, and fake difficulty throughout them just to prolong the gameplay. Again, it was notorious for those older games, really. Earthworm Jim was especially bad with the lives and instant death stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's that can be uh, frustrating, ridiculous frustrating. But other games, like other things that they do is the denial of information, dropping you into somewhere and not saying how to do anything and just being like, go forth, my friend. I mean, we'll talk about it later. Echo absolutely does it. We already talked about it with our reactions to the listener reactions to this game. Was yeah. They had no idea what to do. There was just no clue. You just were dropped into a world and said, have at it. And that's could be fun, but it also can be ridiculously frustrating that you have no idea what you're doing. And that doesn't feel like a real difficulty. That feels like a, you guys didn't put enough information in your game difficulty. And another kind of example in Echo was the control scheme of definitely needing that diagonal on the D-pad. And on a Sega Genesis controller, trying to do anything diagonally is not easy, especially when you want to try to pivot that way without actually moving. Yeah. Like, it's almost impossible. And that's something that's going to come up with old games that aren't their fault necessarily. They were limited by the hardware they were working with. They didn't right. have thumbsticks back then. It wasn't really a thing uh, mm -hmm. on controllers, and so they had to work with what they had. And so, I mean, some of that's unintentional. Also, some of it, like, in-game itself trying to inch forward in some games, or... Something like when you can't tell where the edge is on some platformers, and that's just a, a limitation of the development itself of like, they just couldn't define the pixels very specifically. And so you're like, am right. I on the edge? Oh, I, I'm not. I fell. I, I guess got. I missed it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, things like that, that they unintentionally made it more difficult, which again is kind of an interesting thing with old games that people like about them now is the almost unintentional difficulty that's come with some of those because of the limitations in both software and hardware. But I, I, that's interesting, and I, it's something we, we've talked about speedruns on the podcast before, 
But that's why most speed runs don't count unless you're on the original system. Because the whole point is you need to be limited by the capacity of both hardware and software of the game to have a true quote unquote speed run. And I think that's really interesting. That's important to these games and to these speed runs is being limited by both the software and hardware of the original game. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a different trope for this episode. Uh, not as many specific details, but it's again, it's something that uh, if you know the quote, it's, you know it when you see it. There's fake difficulty out there. It's really, really frustrating. We'll probably talk about it later. But for now, that's our video game trope of the day. Trope of the day. Day, 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 day. <laughs> so we got our trope of the day. So I think it is time to discuss the game for this episode. Katie, what can you tell me about Echo the Dolphin for the Sega Genesis? So it is an action-adventure game that was released in 1992. It was made by Novato Trade in- International, um, obviously for the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive. It was interesting because the gameplay was actually very heavily influenced by the actual traits of dolphins, which was kind of unusual at the time. They didn't try to make them cartoony. So that's the whole idea of having an air gauge because you're a mammal, um, Mm -hmm. using echolocation, having a bottlenose as your attack. Like those are actually all traits of real dolphins. So it's kind of cool that they added those aspects into this game. It reminds me a little bit of what Disney used to do when they were animating stuff like The Lion King, where they would literally bring in like a lion to all the animators be like this is what a lion does yeah definitely during development they were absolutely studying dolphins and and other sea creatures but dolphins in particular to make sure that they were trying to be as authentic to the dolphin experience as a video game can be Uh, a video game that we will get into that doesn't stay very dolphin let's be fair (laughs) but yeah i think other interesting was as mentioned by some of the listeners' comments about the game, uh, the music was kind of something they focused on for this game. Uh, the musical director specifically called out that Pink Floyd was an inspiration for this music and actually was listening to their albums on repeat while he was doing this music. Which you could absolutely see. 100%. In fact, they've actually, it was such a big influence that the second to last level of the game is titled Welcome to the Machine after the Pink Floyd song. Um, And that actually in the later sequels had other levels that were named after Pink Floyd songs. So that's how influential Pink Floyd was to the music of the game, which is kind of hilarious. Another thing, again, the developers really went in depth on this one. Um, There's a lot of star talk and constellation talk. So originally the game was going to be named after the constellation Delphius. Um, the dolphin, and actually that constellation is on Echo's head if you look at the cover art, and they kind of talk about it in game. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so they were going to name him Delphius, but you know, that's not a great marketing name. Um, <laughs> and then Sega wanted to name it Botticelli the Dolphin because. <laughs> Because they specifically called out the popularity of, like, the Ninja Turtles and that they're all uh, Renaissance (laughs) artists. And so they wanted to name him an Italian artist. Well, wasn't the developer Italian, too? Well, that's why he thought he would love it. And the developer was like, no, no, I refuse. And so actually uh, the developer's boss came out and said, why don't you call him Echo as an Echo location? And then because the developer was actually Italian, he switched it to the spelling we know of E-C-C-O because it can loosely mean I see in Italian, which, of course, 
echolocation is seeing with sound. So they, it was all kind of relating back. So that's how they got to the name Echo the Dolphin. Um, I kind of love the name Botticelli the Dolphin. I'm not going to lie. It is kind of funny. <laughs> also, it's Delphinus, not Delphius. Oh, so I'm sorry. It's Delphinus, the constellation, because I don't speak Greek. So whatever. Do you read the letter N? No. No, I don't read the letter N. Greeks didn't have the letter N. <laughs> okay. The game had a bunch of sequels come out for it, almost all of them exclusively for the Sega Genesis. There was Echo the Tides of Time in 1994, Echo Jr., which was definitely a, it was a prequel that was aimed at children in 1995, like Mm. younger children, I should say. Um, Mm. Then there was... (laughs) Yeah. So it didn't have... Spoilers, cosmic monstrosities at the end of it. No, no, it didn't. It was all, and, and it was actually a more cartoony look, which is kind of hilarious. And then Echo Jr., The Great Ocean Treasure Hunt was actually an edutainment game. Like they went even further with that one and went edutainment. And that was also 1995. Uh, and then the last one was actually Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future in 2000. It came out for the Dreamcast and the PS2. Um, it was actually a reimagining slash reboot of the original game. It actually had no references to the original series. It basically restarted the whole thing um, hmm. and actually was really, really well received as well. Um, and that's the point. Echo was really, really well received. Um, it's hard to find reviews from games back then. I couldn't find a ton of reviews. Megatech, which was a Sega exclusive magazine, had it at a 94%. GamePro gave it a 9 out of 10. But if you look anywhere, anywhere that has a list of the best Sega Genesis games out there, Echo's almost always on it. Like, it just just always is going to make those lists. It's just one of those staples to the system, it seems. It's a reason that it was put on the Sega Mini. It is just a staple. It was so well-received, and people really, really liked it. And again, as we got a comment for, like, you had people that heard it, never played it, wanted to play it, but they still remember it. Like, yeah. it's it's definitely, as you said, it's a, a classic, classic game that everyone talks about. And I feel like everyone talks about it, but no one can remember anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll definitely go into that a little bit in our rose-tinted segment. Um, but I think that is our segue. I think it's time to head back to the past. And in this case, it actually was quite a bit past because, again, we kept putting off doing this episode. So let's go back to the past and see what our thoughts were before we started replaying this game. Uh, so let's do it. Play that Chiacarina of Time. Woo! Okay, so now that we've had our royalty-free ocarina music play, we are back in the past, and we're into our rose-tinted glasses segment. So we're going to go over the game, talk about our memories of it, um, of playing it, where we played it, any memories surrounding it, as well as what we think of the game and our scores for the game. Why are we doing this game? So we're doing this game because it is definitely one of the most legendary games out there when it comes to the Sega. It's a game that I think a lot of people think of when they have memories of Sega Genesis is about Echo the Dolphin. And we didn't play it a ton. I definitely think it was one of our less played games of all of our Sega games, but we did play it a little bit at least. So Chris, what what do you remember about Echo the Dolphin? Honestly, I don't remember much. I don't remember owning this game. Are you sure we owned this game? I am 90% sure we owned this game. All right. It's either that or we rented it from Blockbuster, because dating ourselves, we rented it from Blockbuster, possibly. 
That was a great way to get games, unless you got Shining Force that couldn't save a game, which is great for an RPG. But I digress. <laughs> but I know we played it, because I don't remember any of my friends having a Sega, so I've played it. So it had to be at home. I remember playing this game at the neighbor across the street. I remember playing it in his basement a ton. It's so weird. I honestly don't remember playing this game as much at our house. Like, just for whatever reason. I just don't think it was one of our favorites. I don't think it jumped out at us a ton, but it is a, a definitely a game that when I think Sega, I think of Echo. And that's just fact. That's good, because that means it's probably hard. So I can't wait to dive back into this game. Yeah, it's not going to be easy at all. So I know that there are some fantastical parts of the game beyond just being a dolphin. I'm pretty sure at one point you end up in like the lost city of Atlantis. And I just remember it like starts super simple. Like you are a dolphin eating fish and going around and being a dolphin. And then it goes into really like fantastical elements of the game. I remember all of the bosses were like regular bosses. You're fighting a shark. You're fighting a whatever. And then like the last boss was something straight out of the Cthulhu mythos or like H.R. Geiger. Like all of a sudden you're like, holy crap, what happened? Why is this? What's happening with my life? I remember you go to Atlantis and there might have even been time travel involved. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Whatever. Of course, a dolphin can time travel. <laughs> but it got to the end and it was like, yeah, a Cthulhu alien monster. And that was the moment that broke for me. That was like, this is unrealistic. Now, <laughs> now we're hitting unrealism because there's a Cthulhu monster. Not because we time traveled or went to the lost city of Atlantis. I'm writing down unrealism in my notes because I'm going to start using that going forward. <laughs> I feel judged. <laughs> I, what I remember the game is that the, the gameplay was, well, I don't know if it was hard or not. I can't remember that part. I remember the it was a, a relatively simple and clean gameplay. It was, you had it the was. echolocation mechanic. You had the, you, you ate fish for health, which just is such a logical way to get health on like a lot of games even now. Like you just step into an orb of light and you have health. Right. No, like as a dolphin, you ate fish and gained health. Like that makes sense. You needed air. That was a constant mechanic, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I remember the stress of finding air bubbles. Oh yeah. But I yeah. also remember even though in this game, I don't remember if there was any music or not around, oh, you're running out of air. But it always stressed me out because all I could associate it with was the sonic music of you're running out of air yeah yeah no it's the the morticously dramatic yeah i know i brought that into this game and stressed myself out unnecessarily so because i was like oh sonic death music in my head yeah it's it's so weird because this is definitely a staple for genesis and it's so weird because i just don't remember any of this game i remember playing it but i couldn't tell you much about it other than like you know uh, random pieces here and there like i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to going back and playing it again yeah this is definitely a game i think that i really want to play again because it wasn't fantastical at one point it was very simple and straightforward for a good chunks of the game and i kind of look forward to trying that again and playing it again because it, it was a staple and i as you said i don't have a ton of just solid memories of this game and yet it is one of the game's that is so closely associated with the Sega Genesis itself. I don't remember anything of the controls. I mean, I do, obviously, like, D-pad is D-pad. But did the buttons do anything? Were all th I, I feel like all three buttons were just kind of shoot forward slightly, right? 
No, because one of them was the echolocation button. I don't remember. I want to say B was echolocation, whereas A was shoot forward. So you had the bottlenose, like, attack, essentially, which is how you ate the fish or attacked things. But then you had the echolocation. That's how you found things in the map. Or I think, I feel like you sang to certain things because dolphins sing. And so I feel like you sang it. You remember there was a map. I, I don't know why I don't remember any of this game. Maybe I played a lot more of it without you, whereas you played it with other people, so you're associating differently. Because I don't... This is not a game I remember us playing together, necessarily. It must have been. That's why I almost couldn't remember if we actually owned the game. Because I don't remember... I don't have a lot of memories of the two of us playing it together. I think maybe because you played it with the neighbor, you felt no desire to play it at home, and so I just played it by myself, maybe, and that's why I have better memory of it. I don't know. That's true. I think that's the... A very simple look at the game this time. I think they're very kind of basic memories, and I, I do look forward to playing it again. At the same time, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I don't have a lot of memories, so it's like a blank slate. All right, so now that we've had a little bit of a discussion, what is your rose-tinted score for this, Katie? For me, again, since I think I have a clear memory of this than you do, I definitely think I give it like seven and a half, probably out of 10. It definitely wasn't my favorite game, but I do remember playing it a lot. Part of me, I think that is slightly influenced that I know it is a legendary game. It is a staple game of the system, so I have to assume it's good. Um, But yeah, I'd say seven and a half. What about you, Chris? From what you remember, I know it's not a lot, but from what you remember, what would you give it? I know, I almost want to give this like a no grade, but... That's a cheap, hacky way to get out of this. Yeah, don't be a cheater. More so than usual. I'm going to give this, I'd say a 7 out of 10, because I remember I remember the, the physics of the game were fun. Shoot through the water, shoot through the air. The, the mechanics were good. The controls were not terrible through the rose-tinted glasses. So I'm going to go a, a 7 out of 10. So once we go back and play this again, what do you think your score is going to be. I think this game for some reason in my head is a lot more influenced by what I remember of it as opposed to the actual playing of it. Um, I think I'm going to drop the score. I'm going to think that it's probably closer to a six and a half, that it doesn't quite live up to all the expectations anymore. The mechanics aren't going to be as clean as they felt back then. So I'm going to say a six and a half out of 10. What about you? I think I will probably go a seven again. Only because I know that there was a lot of uh, exploration. There was there was stuff like that. I don't think I'm going to hate it any more or any less. So I think I'm going to go with a 7 again. My memory is terrible and I hate giving bad scores to things that aren't necessarily terrible. So we'll find out. Fair enough. So we're looking at... A rose tinted scores of Chris with a 7 out of 10 and me with a 7.5 out of 10. And our predicted scores of Chris staying at that 7 out of 10. And I am dropping my score to a 6.5 out of 10 for that predicted score. So time to live up to expectations, play the game, see where we end up uh, and how right or more likely wrong we were. All right, we have resurfaced for air after we dove into the past. So, Katie, how do you like fish puns? 
I also used them during my playthrough, to be fair, so I can't. I can't. Uh, Kyle specifically called out in our notes during gameplay that I said, well, this is going swimmingly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got our memories down. Katie, tell us a little bit about the gameplay of this now that we've gotten our impressions and gone through the rough background of the game. So uh, we've kind of alluded to it, but there's a reason that all we remembered was like jumping around and swimming around and not a lot of details because that kid, that's a huge chunk of the game is just swimming around and not doing a ton to be fair. So you swim around as Echo the Dolphin, you're just dropped into the water, your pod, your family gets taken away at the very beginning of the game, gets sucked into the sky by a vortex, you don't know why, and then you're going, the whole mission of the game is to find your family again. So you literally are swimming around, you have echolocation, which has a various different things it can do. It mostly lets you talk to people and then also you use it if you hold it down you can get a map of your just very close surrounding area so that was how they showed you where you were um later on you can get power-ups where it can the echo can actually stun people and then hurt people later on and then you have your bottlenose attack which is kind of your speed attack where you poke things with your nose and then you swim fast that's it those are the basic controls really really simple you're just going through and exploring certain areas to move forward, your first mission is to talk to the big blue who might know where your pod went. And so you go start looking for the big blue. On your way, you get lost. And then you meet some other dolphins that you have to, for some reason, you have to find their other pod members because they're lazy and waiting and not doing anything. So you have to go find their pod for them. and, and do, Those lazy dolphins. Ooh, and do basically a fetch quest of the other dolphins that turns into an escort mission. So that's not a pain in the butt at all. And then you move forward and you go into the Arctic while you're looking for the big blue. So you're out in the Arctic and you can slide around ice and get crushed by ice blocks. Mm-hmm. And all the while, pretty much every sea life creature hates you other than other dolphins. They all hurt you. They hate us because they ain't us. Ha! The air mechanic, we were correct. Air is a part of it. You mm-hmm. have to get air. There's various ways of getting air. The big ones is obviously going to the surface, but there's little pockets every once in a while. And then there's sometimes air bubbles you can sit in and get air. Which is not very clear where those are, by no, the way. No, not at all. That drove me crazy. And then you could also have health. So you got health back by eating other fish. You couldn't eat enemies, but certain fish you could eat and get health back. Or if you'd echolocation at a clam, it would give you health. It would give you health via air bubbles. It made which, no how sense. How annoying was that? Because you're like, what? But I need air. Why, why am I not getting air from these air bubbles? Every other game. It was a, a clam will give you air for whatever reason in this game. The clam yeah. give you health. If you ate the clam, that would make more sense. You don't. But anyway, so once you go into the icy area, you find the big blue, who, of course, is a giant blue whale. And he tells you that you need to talk to the oldest creature in the sea because he knows that every 500 years something happens to the the sea life. And so you need to talk to whoever the oldest creature in the sea is. So you find him and he's a double helix, legitimately just a double helix that you talk to. It's Mr. DNA. (laughs) Yes, Mr. DNA. (laughs) Mr. DNA is the one who sends you to Atlantis, the lost city of Atlantis. Because that's a thing in this game, Atlantis. Uh, Yeah. And you go to the That's not even the weirdest thing yet. Yeah, no, no. And it's just next door. It's right next door. You literally just swim to it like two, yeah. two feet. Oh, it's right over there. And then you go to Atlantis. Part of Atlantis, you find out that they're the ones who've put these crystals all over the sea. And these are crystals that you deal with throughout the game that you have to use echolocation or you bottlenose them and you get, they, they're glyphs. So they're called glyphs. And you use these glyphs 
they normally are blocking your path and they're annoying. So you have to find different ways of getting around them. So whether it's using the one, an access glyph, which just gives you permission. Yeah. There's, they're in pairs a lot of times. Yeah. Or you use a key glyph and that gives you basically this power to push away other certain glyphs. So right. you find out that those glyphs are all from Atlantis and they tell you that they were expecting the dolphin of the future to come save them. And so the double helix throws you into the past. So you go into the prehistoric era because time travel, time, time travel, travel in a dolphin game. I was right. There was time travel. Yeah. I mean, okay. So you go to the prehistoric era. You find out that basically what happened to your pod and what happens every 500 years is an alien species called the <laughs> vortex come and eat everyone. They eat all the creatures of the sea. That's why they're there. <laughs> this is dark. This is a kid's this is, game. And it got this dark. Is, this is a dolphin game where you just talk to you talk to orcas and we're just yeah. having fun and then And then suddenly you have aliens eating your family. <laughs> and so you go to the past and you find out you you have to fight the double helix, which is how he knew you were coming because you fought him in the past. Okay. And then you you go back to the future. And he grants you the power to basically show up right before your family gets sucked away. So instead of your family getting sucked away, you jump into the vortex and fight the alien queen on her spaceship. The Cthulhu Geiger monster. And that's the Cthulhu Geiger monster. And that's the game. And when you beat the Cthulhu Geiger monster, you've saved your family and saved the ocean. So that is the basic plot and game controls of Echo the Dolphin. It really goes off the rails. It does. I was going to say, you know, the basic idea of Echo, it's just dolphin stuff, time travel, Atlantis, uh, Eldritch Horrors, you know, everything that you expect to find in a dolphin game. In a children's dolphin game. In a children's dolphin game. <laughs> so. Like, how many, you traveled back in time and then forward in time and then slightly less back in time, then into space. Yeah. Like... It definitely went off the rails, as you said. I, we were, you know, when we were trying to figure out trope of the day, we we decided on fake difficulty. But I'd also thought about like wild tonal shift. Yeah, that would have been a good one, actually. Yeah. But now that we have the basic plot understood, question mark. Don't know if we ever understood it. Yes, uh, we read it at least. Chris, uh, what yeah. were your actual thoughts on the game itself the second time, or this time playing it through? I should say. I think it's like a lot of the comments. I remember the first couple levels, or at least just swimming around, but then it's when you actually try to address the game. This was a hard game. Boy, this was a hard game. Like, I think I found, when I was doing some research for this game, there was a quote from from the developer that essentially he was like, he was worried about uh, rentals and how people would just beat it over the weekend and then never do anything ever again. And I think the quote was, so uh, I made it, hard and it's like i think i gave you that quote and you're like well good job developer yeah absolutely he he, he did it yeah not sure it was a great and that but the fascinating thing is in the we neither of us ended up finishing the game before recording this because i think we were both very very frustrated and it's why it took us this long to record <laughs> yes so i got to about the half a little over the halfway point i would say i got mm -hmm. i got a little because i got to atlantis but not yeah. to the past yet and it, it, it's fascinating because I would say the first, if I totaled my gameplay hours together, I'd say the first three hours of gameplay that I did 
consisted of the first five levels and it was learning how to get around, not understanding yeah. what doing. This was the very, this is before you met the Big Blue. This is before you knew anything of what was happening. This was the fetch quest dolphin stuff. Those levels took so long and it was so frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, credit to the developer, it's definitely a unique gameplay. Like, I was talking about this with producer Lisa. Like, even games now that you look at, the controls are unique. What you have to, like, just the the mechanics of the game are very, very interesting. Yeah. And I think that's why I kept, and we kept wanting to play it. It's like, I want to play this game because it's just so different. But And that was the thing is, like, I think this was a true mistake on the developer's part. of You didn't get to true plot stuff until about a third of the way through the game. And people would have given up by then because it was so frustrating. In my, I yeah. had a three hour session. My last session playing the game was three hours. The first hour and 15 minutes was spent on two levels. Yeah. And then the Those other- Those first couple levels are rough. The other hour and 45 minutes was spent on seven levels. And the thing is, once I got to those later levels, I still got frustrated. I still got annoyed. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed it so much more because I was accomplishing things and I was moving forward and I was getting what was happening. It was more exciting. I wasn't in that same area that I was in the first 10 levels. I got to new areas. Yeah, because it's it's very the same in the beginning too. Like it is, and it's crazy that like you just don't get this variety of experience until much later in the game. And I think that is really a fault of the developers. They wanted you to get used to the controls, and I get that, but it took too long. It just took yeah. too long, and they made it too difficult with like the fetch quests of finding the three different dolphins twice. You had to find three dolphins twice, and then you had mm-hmm. a maze. You had a maze. You had to navigate. It's just like it makes you want to give up. Whereas you actually get to some of the more fun gameplay after that. Yeah. I, I was I was watching some playthroughs after, because I only got through maybe the first five or six levels, I think. Yeah, you, you were saying it was super, super frustrating. You had to do the find the dolphins. So I guess we should like, and those those are how you got the upgrades to the sonar is. Yeah. Like those are, those are kind of, you, you didn't have to do those. Like you talked to a dolphin in the beginning. You it's could like, skip I it, can't yeah. find my family. But that's how you got actually the power-ups that you really need in the game. Yeah. So this is another thing. This is a lack of giving us crucial information. They gave you the power-up. So you find the three dolphins and it was like, oh, now you can stun the sonar. So that was kind of straightforward. You use your sonar and you can stun certain enemies that they stop moving. So that's nice. What they don't explain is the second power-up. You can perma-kill people. That's why what? we're... So what that means is if you hold down... Kyle had to look it up. If you After you hit someone with B, if you hold down B, you can suck in the little swirl of stars. Oh, and you it, know what? Yeah, yeah. I think I was actually doing that. I think right. I figured that out. So yeah. you start doing that. But that's why uh, Kyle and I were saying like, oh, give me your soul. Because if you give the soul, right. then it doesn't reappear. So you can actually clear pathways and they don't keep respawning, which is super nice. They never explain that at all. Not once. So there's there's some more fake difficulty for you right there is continuously respawning enemies. Oh yeah, that's a great point because you just you'd barely leave an area and it would respawn or rocks and stuff yeah. would respawn in your way even if you got rid of them. Yeah, that was that a couple times was just like you go finally do something you're like why is this back why yeah. especially the glyphs the glyphs love to reappear. Yeah, it was just the controls were very, and they don't, they just didn't tell you things sometimes. You just had to kind of figure it out. Like the, the maze level, you had no idea where you're going. You just had to keep trying over and over again. And and both Chris and I said this during our, our streaming of this is 
I can't imagine playing this without save scumming because I can't imagine having to do some of those levels perfectly because the whole point is as soon as you die, you restart the whole level resets. So there's no checkpoints. checkpoints. So you literally had to perfect levels at times and I, I couldn't have done it. I wouldn't have gotten as far as I did if it weren't for being able to save and save scum. And I can't imagine playing through that original version. And there weren't save spots. There were the codes. It was the type of game that you put in a code and you could get to certain levels with certain power-ups or not. Which the guide had a very helpful area for you to write those down. Yes, of course. I, I love when guides have that. Yeah, they had. They told you where to go. But like, there was issues with the gameplay at times and it was very frustrating and I was very apparent with my frustration at times. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely incredibly hard. And it, as we've said, it probably harder than it needed to be. But like, I always wanted to come back and try it. And I think that's one of, I really wanted to like the game. And in the end, I don't think I didn't not like the game. I thought there was a lot of flaws with some of the gameplay mechanics, but the gameplay itself, I could appreciate. Like, it, it was different. It was weird. It was a very much, like, auteur-type game. It genuinely was a pretty game. And the music wasn't bad. I did enjoy the, the music. The music and- was incredible. Except for the second and, like, fourth levels, where it was just supposed to be, like, that happy, happy, weird music. So you don't like being happy. Well, I felt like it didn't fit the rest of the game. Like... Well, you hadn't gotten to the aliens yet. I know. When you're sitting there screaming at those stupid spikes that you had to perfectly navigate through, like, that was crazy. Like, it was a tiny, tiny section of cave. Yeah. And unless you had lined up way before that, if you tried to come in diagonally at all, you would get hurt and stun locked and not be able to move. So you would have to, like, go back and run along the top of the cave. And that was one of the things that you could tell. And again, this is a fault of the limitation of the software was you would be 100% looking like you're clear of the spikes and it'd still be like, eh, eh, eh. You're like, oh, I'm still hitting the spikes. Yeah, that sound is just going to give me nightmares. Yeah. (laughs) The The simple swimming mechanics were harder than, and that goes to control scheme that we talked about. But yeah. Yeah. Like, if that's any indication, just getting around was harder than it seems like it should have been. The number of times I was trying to jump over a island or something, because yeah. you're supposed to, and I just kept running into yeah, the side of the island and being like, Echo, Echo. No, no, because you're trying to get, again, that diagonal, which does not exist on the D-pad, so you have to get that diagonal thing, and you're just like, your nose is going mm-hmm. straight into the wall every time. Yeah. Enemies absolutely it wasn't even issues they were intentional like the crabs would always come from the rocks i hate those crabs also those are giant crabs yeah they are quite large they are giant crabs who attack dolphins what crabs are attacking dolphins i think producer lisa literally said the same thing during one of our playthroughs it's like why are crabs attacking dolphins that's not a thing this makes no sense considering again how much time and effort they put into making the dolphins as realistic as possible then they had a bunch of crabs attacking the dolphins like actively it's not like you ran into them and got hurt they came for you yeah i did think it was fun with the the echolocation map thing I, I ended up drawing a lot of maps. See, which, that impressed me. I did not put yeah. that effort in, but that's really cool. That like, and it, and it encouraged you to do that. To be fair, mm-hmm. 
that's I feel like that's kind of a hallmark of a lot of those old games is they wouldn't give you any of the maps like you kind of had to draw them yourself you had to write down those passwords like that was a fun part of a lot of uh of those old games yeah for sure I I enjoyed watching through some playthroughs and just seeing how fast especially as you were saying kind of once you get past those first you know five six seven levels this guy this playthrough I was looking at probably got through some of these levels in like two or three minutes because he knew exactly what he was doing like if you do it perfectly yeah you could finish the game in like an hour yeah and that but that that's the other thing is again them not telling you information yeah we were even reading a a guide a walkthrough to help us with it and it specifically calls out for new players this is going to be impossible like you have to (laughs) learn this like it it, it flat out called that it even said as an experienced player this still sometimes takes me some tries and that's so crazy but like it's things like at one point in atlantis you need to push this block through three pits to get to where you need to go it Mm. it's a thing you what you they never tell you ever is that you push the block into the pit and then to get it out of the pit you need to face down at it and then scoop it up with your nose and it will never work the first time but you got to do it again and the second time as long as you go slowly enough you can lift it up with your nose Never once. The only reason we saw that was we looked how someone else did it online, saw them doing Mm -hmm. it, and they flat out say it never works on the first time. So even if you were to accidentally do that and it doesn't work, you're going to assume it's not going to work. Why would you keep trying it if it didn't work? Like, it's just holy mackerel was so frustrating at times. (laughs) I, yeah, fish pun. Oh, I didn't even notice. (laughs) Yeah. I, I watched a bunch of videos. There's a guy that dropped into the Twitch stream mm-hmm. that was, like, giving me hints. And, like, I looked at a bunch of his YouTube videos. And that was actually really helpful. That's the thing. It was just there were moments of, like, I'm just so over it. Yeah. I, I just got so tired of certain parts of the game. It's just, like, I don't want to keep doing this because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And I know. I think it I'm was doing so the hard. Right thing, but I'm not, I guess. And it's, yeah. So... It was so hard to come back to, which again, why why we recorded we recorded the rose tinted segment, yeah, so long ago, and it kept being like, well, do we want to do Echo as the next episode? Or I think there's at least one or two episodes where we're like, next episode, Echo the Dolphin, and they were like, we don't want to do that anymore. All right, re-record the end. We're doing a different game. Yeah, we definitely put this. We we procrastinated a lot on this episode. But there's a lot of people that. Like, not even remember it fondly, because you have the people that that responded to us on, like, Facebook. Like, I don't remember anything about swimming around, but there's a lot of people that that love this game and get super, super in-depth this game. I found someone on Twitter who, like, had programmed his old keyboard to get all of the sounds well. And, like, he was playing, like, the original themes almost perfectly, and it sounded really good like again the theme to this song is amazing yeah and that's the thing is there's a reason that it reviewed so well back then there's a reason it's on the top list of every sega genesis list out there it's just it was a really popular and i can see why there were some really fun parts and it was pretty Mm. and and some of it was just genuinely like not smooth like the play wasn't smooth but it was like i when you got some of it going it was really fun it just sometimes took you a while to get there yeah. So I, I think that's enough uh, review on the game. It's time to give our scores. So, Chris, what was your final score of Echo the Dolphin? So, based on 
And this is not necessarily fair because I didn't finish the game. I watched the rest of the game, but I did not finish the game. But based on what I played and knowing how the gameplay kind of worked with a lot of that difficulty that I thought didn't need to be there and how frustrating the gameplay was, I think I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it a six and a half, maybe a seven if I'm feeling nice. Like I really wanted to like it. I really, really wanted to like it. It looks gorgeous. The music is good. The gameplay was just so hard and so unforgiving when I thought it didn't need to be. It shouldn't have been that hard. Going back to our trope of the day, I thought there was a bunch of fake difficulty that made it incredibly frustrating and it didn't need to be there. What about you? What is your what is your final score for this game? You gave it... I predicted a six and a half. Yeah. I think, by the way, I'm going to say you called it a six and a half because that would be the first time I think you've ever rated a game lower than you <laughs> predicted you were going to rate it. So yeah. you're, you're yeah, going to we'll take go that for once because you, you predicted a seven. At the end of the day, and I, the producer Kyle said this, and I think he's right. Had I stopped where you stopped mm-hmm. and tried to judge it, I would have given it like a five. I would have just been so tired. The fact that I got through that and got to the later levels, and while, yes, I also didn't finish the game, I got Mm -hmm. pretty far. I got to actually the different areas. I got to the ice level. I got to Atlantis. I got So I got to experience something. I didn't do the bosses. There are only two bosses in the game, and they're both weird because it's the Hmm. double helix and the alien. Didn't fight them. I kind of, I might go back and eventually fight them just out of curiosity and use the codes, but I didn't get that far. But because I actually experienced more of the actual gameplay and the actual plot, because the plot becomes compelling at that point. It's like, yeah. oh, these aliens are coming and sucking up life from the ocean. I need to defend it. Like, it actually kind of got interesting. I'm pushing it up for what would have probably been a five and giving it a six. I'm still oh, going to be harsh wow. on it. I still got... It was too frustrating for me at times. Mm-hmm. Playing that first part of the game so heavily weighs against it because that's yeah. your intro to the game and it doesn't it doesn't welcome people into the game that's very opinion, very it's valid fun, yeah. it looks pretty but it just there's a reason i think i only remember the earlier play parts very clearly i forced myself to keep playing and i finally got to better parts but you should not have to do that and so i, I still am going to rate it pretty harshly and give it a six that's higher mm-hmm. than i would have had i stopped earlier but i still i think i'm going to give it a six out of ten i can't wait for all the people to comment that we just want easy modern games that hold your hand through the entire game. And that's not what this is. Like, this is... It, no, this is, it's not. Yeah. I don't need a game that holds my hand. Like, yeah, I can appreciate... Well, I'm not great at, like, Dark Souls or Bloodborne. I appreciate the difficulty of those games. That's that's fun difficulty to me. I don't appreciate a game that has me running into walls for no reason because it because yeah. it wants me to. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to appreciate that. So we're probably meaner than most people would like, but it's our opinions. Sorry. So would you suggest someone go play this game? Especially since, as you said, it is on the Sega Mini, so it is easy to get to now if you wanted to. Would would you would you suggest someone play it? You kind of said you might go back and play it. Only out of curiosity. I think if you have a Sega Mini, <laughs> skip to the later levels. And play some. I think if you loved the game as a kid, but the thing is, I think more people just kind of vaguely remember it. I don't, I'm going to be mean. I don't recommend going back to this game. Watch a playthrough online. You get a good experience of it. I think that's enough. That's fair. I would say 
if you went in with knowing that it was going to be frustrating, that would help. I would say play it. You yeah. might get less frustrated than us, but I would definitely say I'm, I'm going to go go back and try to play it some more just to kind of get out of the simpler basic levels like so I, I would love to get into like as you said Atlantis and time travel and all that stuff so I might try to go back and play it again if I've got time um, but yeah I'd say it might be worth playing but it is frustrating and not in a good way so just kind of know that ahead of time <laughs> Yeah, and maybe that's part of it was the idea is you go into this game thinking it's going to be a kid's game where you're a dolphin and you just mm-hmm. swim around, and that's just not what ends up being yeah. what you're playing. Maybe that maybe that would change if I'd come in with a different mindset. I don't know. So, Ugh. maybe go back and play it, kind of. <laughs> so, that wraps up Echo the Dolphin. So, for our next episodes, to kind of start celebrating that we're getting to episode number 10. Yay! 10 double digits so we're gonna have some special episodes possibly that we're gonna do we're actually going to have first an episode 9.5 where we talk about final fantasy in general and say what does final fantasy mean to us as a franchise how has it been a part of our game lives um and and what all that means to us and then episode 10 is going to be slightly different than our normal format because we are going to be playing final fantasies 1 and 2 games neither of us have ever played so we're going going to be going back and playing the old tool game so we'll be giving you our inputs on those original final fantasies um so that'll be our episode 10 and that's going to be the plan that every once in a while we're going to pop in a special episode that will cover one to two of the final fantasy games because a lot of them we didn't play a lot of them we did so the ones we did play we'll kind of address a little bit differently but for all the ones we didn't play we're going to do these special episodes where we just talk about playing the game for the first time as adults and what does that mean and how it impacts us so look forward to all those fun new episodes coming out in the next couple weeks otherwise thank you so much for listening thank you so much for responding to us on social media and interacting with us um we do stream these games we do stream coast to coast co-op every tuesday typically um so you can join us on those kind of games talk to us on social media say hi we we like getting advice we like talking about these games to other people it's always fun to talk to other folks while we're playing we do our best uh we're still kind of getting the hang of of streaming so if we ignore you we're probably not doing it on purpose we're just playing a game that means we can't pay attention to the chat so we we do our best what what chris is trying to say is we're lonely please talk to us yeah But yes, reach out, reach out on Instagram, on Twitter, on Twitch. We are at GWGW Show for all those places. You can find episodes pretty much anywhere where you can find normal episodes. Apple Podcast, Android, uh, Spotify. Leave us a review. And Apple, I think, is really the only place you could do it. We would love a five-star review. Feedback is great. We'd love to hear from you all. But thank you again for listening. Thank you for the people who have interacted with us thus far. Thank you to our producers who keep us in line. Oh, they do so much work. Thank you so much, producer Kyle and producer Lisa. So thank you for joining us. And so I think that's going to wrap things up. So say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. So long. And thanks for all the fish. Nerd.